are listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their field, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter is your forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. I hope you're all going jolly out there today. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. And today I have a very special guest, and I am so pleased to present to you this woman. She is amazing, and she has some very special techniques to share with us about trauma, PTSD, and actually going forward in your life in a way that you can overcome all kinds of obstacles and boundaries. Her unique program and her resume and her personal success and what she's done will astound you. She is truly amazing, and I am so grateful that she's come here today to share with us all of the things that she knows because she has an amazing amount of wisdom. So please, if you would, this is Elizabeth A. Stanley, Ph.D., and she has she's the author of this amazing best-selling book, Widen the Window. And welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me today, Winifred. It's so wonderful to be here. I'm so pleased that you've come to share with us. Making Life Brighter Radio is all has been dedicated for years to experts in their field. But we are focused also on healing modalities and things that will better us, particularly in such a traumatic environment that we find ourselves in today with so much bombardment. And everything you've written about speaks to that. You speak to overcoming obstacles and doing it in such a way that even the military has hired you. You've been on all kinds of TV shows. Your book is out there used by all kinds of corporate groupings and individuals alike. So let's dive in and find out why your technique is so appreciated and used by people all over. So first, let's jump in and and let's find out why it is you wrote this book. Tell me what was the impetus behind Widen the Window. I, there is nothing that I teach that I have not learned from in my own mind and body. You know, like many of us, I come from a challenging upbringing. I had a traumatic childhood. Um, I come from a long military lineage. There have been nine generations um, in the U.S. Army. That's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. (laughs) all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And my grandfather was in Korea and World War II. My father fought in Vietnam. Um, And intergenerational trauma was just an aspect of our lives. I served in the military myself. Um, I was in the Army and deployed and experienced, I had a near-death experience um, while I was in Bosnia. And I had been trained like so many men and women in our culture, not just in the military, just across our culture, to push it under, to to shove it aside. And over time, my system just finally said, no, my body was done. Um, It was so intense and my body was done. Uh, I developed PTSD and I even lost my eyesight. And that process helped me realize that I had to learn to deal with stress a different way. Um, And doing that, I became interested first in my own healing journey and then in being able to share some of the techniques I learned with others. 
I created a program called Mindfulness-Based Mind Fitness Training. MFIT is the abbreviation. I love it. <laughs> That's so brilliant. Um, I love it. <laughs> well, you know, you can't do anything in a high-stress environment if it doesn't have an acronym. So we had an acronym, and um, we, I participated, collaborated with neuroscientists and stress researchers, and we did four studies with the military, with troops that were preparing to deploy to combat in Iraq and Afghanistan and showed a lot of benefits um, that have published in peer-reviewed journals. And from that, um, I've taught MFIT in a wide range of environments, from high security prisons, max security prisons, to you know, corporate environments, to other high-stress uh, occupations like first responders. And I teach it on campus at Georgetown, um, where I teach during the day. And in all of these situations, I saw how much we as humans all together are struggling with stress, with trauma, with chronic pain, with depression, all kinds of physical ailments that, that come from stress, mm -hmm. and weight gain. All of these things actually have a core root, and MFIT was designed to help address that and widen the window, the book. Um, I love that. I love the title. It's, it's such a brilliant title and it, I actually even love the cover of it. It's, it's, it makes so much sense. Now you speak about agency. Can you define agency for us as, and how that pertains to your program? What does agency mean? Yes, agency is when we perceive ourselves as having a choice. And the reason why agency is so important for MFIT, and it's, it's discussed in how to build agency is the whole third part of the book. The reason why it is so important is that when we perceive ourselves as having choice, and we always do have choice, we just often aren't aware of it. When we perceive ourselves as having choice, we are much less likely to experience trauma because trauma happens when we perceive ourselves to be powerless, or helpless or lacking control. And so when we have agency, we have the ability to change what's going on in our, if nothing else, we might not be able to change what's going on around us. We can always change what's going on in our mind and body. And with agency, we can learn to rewire our minds and bodies to recover from chronic stress or trauma in our past and to be able to have the most capacity to meet what's happening in our lives with vitality and support with others and problem solving online and all of the other amazing gifts that we each have. Agency helps us tap into that even in very stressful situations. So in taking agency as a, a, an idea around overcoming that and giving yourself more choices, how then did you fit that into military scenarios and prepping people to go back out? Well, MFIT actually follows in line with a long history of warrior traditions. Uh, in Eastern and Western cultures for millennia, there have been warrior traditions that were sets of organized ways to train the mind and body to be able to function well, even in the most horrific situations like combat. And the idea behind it was, if you give people some core capacities, some core qualities, that they can apply in any situation, they are going to be able to do well. And the warrior traditions first were designed to help train the people who would be defending those communities. Mm -hmm. 
MFIT follows in that line too. All the warrior traditions focused on building two core qualities, two core, um, two core capacities we have to have to be able to function well. And those are wisdom and courage. Yeah. It cultivates wisdom and courage by training the attention. Wisdom is the ability to pay attention, to see what's happening in this moment clearly, no matter what it is, not what we want it to be, not what we expect it to be, but what it actually is. And then to use that information to make the best choice in this moment. And courage is the ability to tolerate whatever is happening, even if it's really sucky, <laughs> to be able to tolerate it without needing it to be different. Because when we need it to be different, that is when we start having, um, that's when we start fighting with reality and fighting with what's going on. And when we're fighting with what's going on, we can't really respond with the most appropriate response for that. Moment. So let me, let me make a hypothetical. You're on the front line. I know wars are fought differently today, but just the same. You're on the front line. There's explosions all around you. Naturally, people are going to come back with PTSD on account of the unknown and the amount of unexpected traumas that happen to others around them and around them at any given moment, fight or flight constantly. How would you apply that to one of those scenarios in teaching someone? Yes. So if, let's say, there is an infantry squad, 13 men, now actually 13 men and women in some cases, who are together um, out on a patrol in a local village. And they get caught by surprise with an ambush. Okay, so you have 13 minds and bodies that are meeting that experience. Someone who has a wide window, as I define it in the book, who has the capacity to keep wisdom and courage online in that moment, they are going to be able to see what's happening, realize what they need to do, communicate with the other squad members, and if that requires attacking to go into fight, if that requires leaving to, to flee, if that requires coordinating with other people, using their social engagement skills to do that, someone with a wide window can handle all of that. And then after they get back from the ambush, they are going to be able to finish recovery and they're not going to have lingering effects. Uh, that was my next question is, yes. once they get done with that, I mean, you can, you can use these skills in the middle of it, but once you get back out of that, is it denial that you actually had that happen to you and now you're in that place? So how does this apply to the recovery of it? Could you go through some of that? Sure. So let's say they come home, they're back now inside the wire, and if they understand what's going on with their mind and body, with their neurobiology, they'll understand that after a period of danger has passed, their mind and body needs to go through a recovery process. And some of the symptoms that come along with the recovery process and the release are kind of strange, but they'll, they'll know it from the training. And they will support their mind and body to do that recovery, to finish expelling any remaining stress hormones, any of the energy that they mm. want, so that they can come back into balance. Um, and, you know, some of those recovery symptoms that we have, and we can have this even after we've been sitting in traffic or after we've read a, you know, terrible email and then we've gotten, you know, really tight. Oh, yes. Yes. I went to the doctor the other week just for a checkup and he said, whoa, your blood pressure is off the chart. And I had just come from L.A. traffic and my <laughs> blood pressure is never off the chart. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's real. 
Yes, it is real. But then at that point, to be able to direct your attention in ways that help your system feel grounded and stable, and then that recovery can happen. Some of that is releasing heat. We might have a wave of heat. We might see ourselves tremble or, or shake. We might yawn. We might cry. Tears are actually a, a great sign of release. And understanding that all of that is happening and then not adding a whole story around, oh, you know, I'm weak or what, why am I doing this? What's wrong with me that I'm shaking? But to understand that is just the way our bodies and minds come back into balance. That's a great position that, that you don't add another story on top to try and explain it away, but you rather just go through it and recognize it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And in fact, because most of us were never taught how the mind and body need to do this. Most of us have all kinds of stories around our bodies doing things. Like boys, for example, they're socialized to, you know, boys don't cry, they're gonna be tough. And I trained, oh, yes. I trained many men who talked about coming back from being on an ambush actually, getting inside the wire, they'd try to light a cigarette, their hand would shake, and instead of letting that happen, they'd think, oh, I'm a coward, I don't want the guys to see this. Mm. And they their arm up under their armpit. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, we have to take a quick break. This, this is fascinating. We have so much more to talk about. Stay tuned. We have more Dr. Elizabeth Stanley and Widen the Window right here on Making Life Brighter Radio. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can you truly expand your possibilities beyond what your normal capabilities are? It's very possible when you can know more, do more, and be more. Tune in each week to Shift Happens with host Karin Weary and co-hosts Ida Serena Lee and Jessica Durrell. The world is waiting for you to show off your unique gifts. It starts with healing yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Once the scars of our past are gone, we can truly begin to shine. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and we have special guest, Dr. Elizabeth Stanley, and she is the author of Widen the Window. She's also a professor at Georgetown University, and she has been on numerous shows with her amazing technique, and it's the MMFT, which is Mindfulness-Based Mind Fitness Training. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Well, she she has been talking with us about how she works with the military in this amazing training to help people come off of trauma in combat and to take that so that they are processing PTSD-type symptoms much quicker and never having to go through all the extended steps and the damage that you would. Now, let's take this into reality. In the last year, it's no mistake to my audience that, you know, We've been dealing with the fallout from the Woolsey fire out here. And the Woolsey fire was actually the biggest natural disaster ever in um, the U.S. history. It, it even trumped Katrina. And it was, it was devastating. People have no idea. And only 20 minutes away, one side or the other, people went on with their lives. And that's fine. But they don't realize what's happened to that community and to the people Many people died from the stress after that, actually had a heart attack and died. People have been having delayed PTSD because A, they're in denial of the symptoms. And I even had that. I had to go through it. I know how to work on it myself, but I actually went through it. So it's real. So can you speak to that for us for a little bit? Yes, I think one of the common misconceptions around PTSD is that someone has it immediately after an event or they're not going to have it. And that's actually not the way it works. One of the reasons why I use the window as the metaphor in the book is that there are a variety of life experiences that can narrow our window and our window can narrow over time. It can take decades Mm -hmm. before symptoms show up. So someone could come from a history of childhood adversity, like they had a really challenging childhood, their window might already be narrow when they meet this fire, and then they might show symptoms right away. 
Someone else, either through social conditioning because they're good at suppressing it like I used to be, or they you know, didn't have necessarily a narrowed window from childhood, it might take them longer before they're going to show symptoms. Um, so it is entirely how wide our window is when we meet whatever that event is, and then whether we're taking conscious steps, we're choosing consciously to do something to re-regulate our minds and bodies after that experience. If we don't, if we use habits that distract from it or paper over it or self-medicate like a lot of alcohol or tobacco or um, adrenaline-seeking behavior, you know, we, we often get attracted to adrenaline-seeking, kind of adrenaline-junkie behavior when we are moving towards a narrow window. And some of these mm -hmm. things actually help our stress get recovered from. That didn't mm -hmm. say that very well. <laughs> we understand. We, didn't, we don't recover from the stress. And in fact, we're just kind of papering over to feel good now, but we're building that stress load. And so the symptoms can show up later on. And many of the symptoms that go along with PTSD, we don't think of as PTSD. Right. That's true. People don't you know, realize insomnia. that they're having that, actually. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things that, that are signs that our system is dysregulated, but we haven't labeled it that way. Um, chronic pain is the number one form of dysregulation that I see when I work with people who have had a you know, chronic stress or trauma in the past. They don't think of chronic pain as having anything to do with PTSD, but it often does. And you know, chronic pain and substance use together, that's a classic sign of someone who's really trying to cope. They're pushing it in their body, their body's expressing it kind of sideways, it's coming out sideways in chronic pain, and they're using substances to try and handle the pain and to you know, hide and mask over the emotional pain. The so when people come into the narrowed window and they're moving into that narrow space, how do you get yourself out of that? What do you do? Do you just go through the emotion and you feel it? Do you go into the idea that I'm going to cry now? But some people, for example, that I witnessed were deep in depression almost or suppression that was trying to come out through crying because it was so overwhelming. They would, they would just cry all day long. So how do you end up putting a, a bracket around that and move it forward? That's a great question. One of the important things is to recognize that um, it isn't our thoughts and our thinking about, we can't think our way out of getting better. And in fact, sometimes when we try and think our way out of it, we're continuing to ignore what's going on in our body and in what I call the survival brain, which is part of our brain that controls stress and recovery. That part of our brain and our body, they have to feel safe before recovery is going to happen. And so we have to put ourselves into situations, even if it's just where we direct our attention, so that our survival brain can feel safe enough to do that recovery process. And there's some concrete things we can do. Physical exercise is excellent because it, especially cardiovascular exercise, because it allows us to discharge a lot of those stress hormones. Getting restful sleep is really helpful because while we are asleep, the survival brain does a lot of that recovery and repair in our bodies. But even when we're awake and we don't, we're not exercising, we're not sleeping, you can do something just as easy as directing your attention to pay attention to the contact with your surroundings. 
So your butt in the chair, feeling the weightedness of your butt in the chair, that alone can help the survival brain start to feel stable and grounded and turn on recovery functions. And then we have to allow some of that release that we were talking about before to happen. I love that word, by the way. I'm all about allow, because you have to let it come through, right? <laughs> yes, we have to let it come through. And so if the tears are there, it can be helpful to just let yourself do some crying. You know, if, if the body wants to shake when you get done with a workout, sit there and let it shake and twitch. Let it do that. These are ways that that recovery happens. And I explain the whole list of those symptoms for what to look for in the book. Um, and it's really, really pretty easy to do. I mean, you can, it can be helpful to work with a somatic-based therapist, but you can even do it by yourself. You well. are a somatic-based therapist. Yes. And you have a long, <laughs> long resume and, and amazing uh, titles behind your name and all kinds of experiences that give absolute credence to this entire book. It's so Wonderful. Now, just to quickly go back, you, you touched on in the first segment about hormone discharge. Let's talk about that for a minute. Scientifically, is there a duration of time for the hormones to discharge out of your system that they don't, you know, have the fight or flight kind of um, messages going on? Or does that come back up? And then tell, talk to us about the hormonal discharge. Yes. So when we start fight or flight, that happens when the survival brain has looked around our environment, and it can be our external environment or our internal environment. And when the survival brain says, oop, this is a threat, it is going to turn on stress arousal. It starts first with adrenaline, and that helps to do a lot of changes in the body to help prepare the body to fight or flight. Um, and it has a second wave, and in the second wave, we also will begin to use cortisol. That's the stress hormone most people know about. And in that second wave, the survival brain is deciding, you know, do I have resources? Am I powerless or not? And all of those things will then make it calibrate. It'll turn on more stress hormones or it'll, it'll, it'll turn on fewer stress hormones. And that will then help to set the body up to increase immunity in the short term, to help us move away from digestion, all the blood leaves our gut and it moves into our muscles so we can move, sends a lot of glucose into the brain so we can think. All of those things are happening and they were initially intended to handle what I call the saber-toothed tiger threat. <laughs> they existed to be able to get away from the saber-toothed tiger. And so the idea was you have this push for 10 minutes. You're either going to make it or you're not. But we today are not, we don't see saber-toothed tigers. We see, you know, nasty emails and work deadlines and traffic and constant tension in certain relationships. And so our bodies are turning all of this on, but they're not discharging it. We're not running away from a tiger. We're sitting stewing in the traffic or we're sitting stewing at our computers looking at that nasty email. And so we're turning this stuff on and we're not turning it off. And the problem is, because it was designed for this immediate push, it, it turns off a lot of kind of longer-term functions. And even that immediate push over time begins to lead to declines. So, like, we have this immediate push for immunity. But after an hour, if we keep ourselves in a chronically stressed, activated state, immunity drops to, like, 70% below its baseline level. That's why when we've been chronically stressed, we get sick. 
because we've just you know killed our immunity so well don't you think that the, the um, diseases that are like chronic fatigue and all that stuff are related to this all of those are like a setup almost for anything to come in the door it absolutely is um the the science word for building this process without doing the discharge is called allostatic load and when we have built this allostatic load we are setting our systems up for cardiovascular disease for weight gain for insomnia for autoimmune um, diseases for chronic fatigue for diabetes, all of these things have at their root this having turned stress on and never turning it off. And when you look at the statistics of some of these things in our country, you know, we are collectively out of control in terms of having large allostatic loads. I mean, 100, 100 million people suffer from chronic pain, 105 million with cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure know 40 million with depression there's a lot of people suffering from not having turned stress off well thank you that is so fascinating we have so much more to cover my gosh we could talk forever in a day but we're going to also do a special (laughs) outtake and uh dr elizabeth stanley widen the window is her book where can people find that they can find that anywhere, but I'd send you to my website where you can also get the first exercise in the MFIT sequence, um, www.elizabeth-stanley.com. I love it. We'll be right back with more elizabeth-stanley.com and widen your window right here on Making Life Brighter. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can you truly expand your possibilities beyond what your normal capabilities are? It's very possible when you can know more, do more, and be more. Tune in each week to Shift Happens with host Karin Weary and co-hosts Ida Serena Lee and Jessica Duro. The world is waiting for you to show off your unique gifts. It starts with healing yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Once the scars of our past are gone, we can truly begin to shine. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and I'm your host, Winifred Adams. And today we've been speaking with Elizabeth Stanley, Ph.D., and she's the author of Widen the Window. And you can find that on any, in any bookstore or online outlet, but you can also go to her website. And Elizabeth, could you tell everyone your website one more time for us? Absolutely. www.elizabeth-stanley.com and all the links to buying the book in the United States and internationally are there too. Amazing. The work that you've been doing is so incredible and we all need this because technically we live in a world that's full of trauma, stress, and more stressors today than ever perhaps, you know, and you've really touched on all of that, but I'd like to go back to your own story. You grew up in, uh, in an abusive childhood. You had a family that had alcoholism. You actually even speak of the fact that you'd been raped and you were deployed, but as you were deployed, you were also, um, you were called out in terms of some kind of scandal and then you had to defend yourself from that. And then you had a near death experience somewhere in there. So let's, (laughs) wow. I mean, goodness, let's, where do we begin with that? Let's, let's jump in and talk about childhood for a minute because it gives context to what it is that you are now doing and why you're doing it. Yes. As I said before uh, in an earlier segment, there is nothing that I teach about that I haven't learned from in my own mind and body. It's backed by science research, but this came from my own life. And in some ways, I feel like I was born to write this book, or at least I was gifted with the range of different experiences that a mind and body could go through. Um, You know, some really challenging experiences growing up. Intergenerational trauma happens when parents have narrowed windows and they haven't resolved their own stress and trauma. They might be dealing with loss. They might be dealing with their own earlier abuse. And they then don't have the full capacity to help their children wire wide windows. You know, parents with narrowed windows wire narrow windows for their children. And that certainly happened in my family of origin. 
Um, I also experienced childhood sexual abuse, not from my immediate family, but my immediate family was so inundated with its own things, I didn't get any support for that. And that created certain unconscious patterns in my mind and body, both the ways that I cope with stress, but also in the ways that my survival brain, it kind of corrupted the way that it can tell if I'm safe or, danger or in danger. I like that you say that because, you know, when children are sexually abused, they actually have done studies and said that it's greater than the effects of war on a child. The incoherency is lasting. It's so it is. It is lasting. And I have a chapter where I lay out all of the neurobiological changes that happen to children that have experienced childhood adversity. It changes the way our brains are wired. It changes the way our hormones work. It changes the way that we respond in to, you know, we don't see safety when it might be safe. We might see something as dangerous, but think it's safe, or we might see something that's safe and think it's dangerous. And I think that initial wiring led me into a lot of other events that led to further trauma. That's, I think, part of why I was raped. I wasn't able to see when I was, you know, in high school, I wasn't able to see the situation that I was in was dangerous. And then I, you know, got caught in a situation where by then I, I couldn't get out of it. So it, it has these lingering effects. Um, that's powerful. You know, for a lot of young women out there and people today, that's really powerful. I think that what you just said is, is striking. It's, an, it's very important because people don't realize that their, their choices, their agency gets flipped, right? Yes, yes. That's what trauma does. It corrupts our implicit memory which is unconscious memory. It's not memory that we can kind of consciously think about, but it, it corrupts it so that our survival brain isn't able to see the present very clearly. And it's laying the past into the present. We're kind of living, you know, sort of always relying on things that our survival brain is trying to finish, but hasn't been able to do so. So it's, trauma is very complicated. And for many years, I thought of myself as a trauma magnet. Uh, because I kept kind of attracting these really challenging events to me. And it came from childhood. Um, and most of us don't think about how childhood is still rippling into our lives today. So why did you go into the army? Why did you eventually go into military? That seems very traumatic as well. <laughs> yes. The short answer to that is that after I was raped, um, before I started college, I had some challenges with my family and to be able to stay in college, I needed to get an ROTC scholarship. And you know, I knew, I went to what I knew. Um, I, it was a long family lineage. I, I knew what that was. Um, and so I had an ROTC scholarship and then I was on active duty to, to pay for that, um, to, you know, to, to, to fill that out. I was in Korea, I was in Germany, I did the two deployments in the Balkans. That in time, I had not done any work to resolve the early childhood things or the rape, and my body started acting out in ways that you know, it had to do something with it. I had chronic, uh, as uh, I developed asthma, I had chronic respiratory infections, I had a lot of pneumonia. I didn't even know it sometimes, and I just kept pushing. Um, and when my unit was getting ready to go to Bosnia, I actually had pneumonia, but didn't know it. I was working 120 hour weeks I and mean, it was insane. Seven days a week, you know, 
17 to 20 hours a day. I wasn't sleeping at all. I, my body was completely run into the ground. And we did a convoy from our base in Hungary. We had to convoy in on the roads to get to Bosnia. It was the middle of winter, bad snow, really bad ice. I was in charge of running this convoy of 100 vehicles and all of the soldiers on it. And we had lots of very big vehicles and they were towing very heavy generators. And on the black ice, and even though not black ice, we started you know, skidding and some of the really big trucks jackknifed with those generators and they flipped over and fell into people's homes, Croatian homes. We got caught on the side of the road in this village with these vehicles caught there. We had to sit there on the side of the road for three days in the snow, waiting for the Croatian government to find us a crane so that we could you know, get the vehicles back on the road. Eventually, and I have pneumonia this whole time and don't know it. I'm coughing up all kinds of gunk. We're not sleeping. I'm in charge of keeping these 200 people and 100 vehicles safe in the snow on this road. <laughs> we finally get into Bosnia and um, we're, we're going to be in the zone of separation, which was the place where they were going to, the town had been Muslim before the war. It became um, Serb during the war. Now the Muslims were going to come back. It was entirely bombed out. We were in this old bus depot with all these bombed out buildings. And it was all the snow. So we're trying to find concrete that we can put our tents on because everything else was muddy and nasty. So we're clearing out this building with all this concrete dust. And, you know, that was like the last straw for my body. Like all this concrete dust on top of the asthma and the pneumonia and having been awake for four days and having run the convoy, I stopped breathing. And... They had to fly me out uh, by helicopter to a UN hospital um, because that was all that was there at the time. And I had to be resuscitated. But it was a, you know, I, I saw light. I went down a, down a corridor. Your death experience. I left my body. I was done. And somewhere in there, I heard this infinitely kind voice say, you have to go back. And the next thing I knew, I'm in my body you know, with paddles. I'm you know, being resuscitated on the table. And I was in the hospital for three days. And then they sent me back out to do my job in the, in the field. Whoa. And wow. it, was, it was that intense. Um, I was taking a ton of drugs to try and function through that. I would imagine. <laughs> And that was all of that was adding, you know, to the to my allostatic load too. Um, and you know, in the middle of all of that, there was a situation of sexual harassment in my chain of command. Um, when I reported it, um, I was ostracized. There was all kinds of command reprisal, and so that was going on as well. And. So by the time I left and left active duty later that year, I started graduate school. You know, my system was just done. <laughs> and I was in and out of the hospital with all kinds of lung problems. My first year in graduate school, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I kept pushing. Um, one of the ways I kept pushing, my habit, my conditioning from my childhood was to achieve, keep striving and achieving. 
And so, you know, you think hearing this story that this is someone who would then take a break and go get healthy. What did I do? I did graduate degrees at Harvard and MIT at the same time. <laughs> wow. Now that is <laughs> unbelievable. But perhaps in that state, you got it done. <laughs> but it's, that's a trauma that's, response. And we don't yeah. usually think of that as trauma, but that was a trauma response. Um, so let's talk about the, the near-death experience just a minute. You, did you have a difference in your perception when you came back? I mean, you obviously experienced that. You knew you did. You remember it. When you came back into your body, you didn't have time to sit down and really think about it. You got sent right back. But did it change you? I don't know if I had the space with what was going on right then to really let in how much it had changed me. but. When other events happened later in my life, I had a different perspective for them. And I had this very deep sense that this was, even these experiences were for some purpose. And what I know now, having written this book, having designed this training, having helped you know, thousands of people and having seen that change in them, I do know it was in the service of something. I love that. And we have to take a quick break. This is fascinating. We have so much more. We, honestly, we could be here all day. I have so many questions. So <laughs> this is Dr. Elizabeth A. Stanley, and uh, she has written the book, Widen the Window. And she is not just talking about widening the window. She's experienced it. And so we'll be right back with more Elizabeth A. Stanley, PhD, right here on Making Life Brighter Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can you truly expand your possibilities beyond what your normal capabilities are? It's very possible when you can know more, do more, and be more. Tune in each week to Shift Happens with host Karin Weary and co-hosts Ida Serena Lee and Jessica Durrell. The world is waiting for you to show off your unique gifts. It starts with healing yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Once the scars of our past are gone, we can truly begin to shine. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. This has been an amazing interview today with Widen the Window author Elizabeth A. Stanley, Ph.D. And if you haven't, you can go check out that book. You need to get it. And it would be something that I think everyone could benefit from. You don't have to be in the military to benefit from her program. And the MMFT that she's developed that is helping so many people all over. Now, I just want to jump back in, Elizabeth. Let's talk a minute about when you went into the service. How many, how many shots or vaccinations did you get over a period of time in order to go out? Well, when I first was assigned to go to Korea, I had to do the sequence of hepatitis A and hepatitis B, which is multi-shots over a year. Um, and before we went to Bosnia, we had to do a whole roster of um, pre-deployment vaccinations. Um, I don't even remember what all of them were. Um, I had nine on one day, and we also had the gamma globulin, which is that really thick syrup that they stick in your butt. Um, and I, it was really intense. Uh, my arms were sore for quite a few days. Wow. And so, uh, do you know if they ever gave you those things that kind of make you stronger and kind of, you know, to sustain your body and, and keep you going? It wasn't just vaccinations? I think gamma, I'm, I'm, this is not my field of expertise at all. Um, I think that the gamma globulin was intended as um, an immune booster. Uh, mm-hmm. but, yeah. Um, the rest were vaccinations for possible diseases that were there. Like we had to update tetanus. We had to update typhoid. Mm-hmm. I know that at more recently in, you know, like the shock and awe campaign type things, people got a lot of anthrax vaccines. Yes. And did you have those too? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, God bless you for all your service and what you've done. That's a lot and a lot in your system. So uh, people don't really know what you all go through for our freedom. And all I can say is thank you. 
Thank you on behalf of everybody. You know, a show or two ago, we had the military dogs, the veteran dogs, mm. um, and the fellow that works with veterans with PTSD with horses and dogs. And that's, that's so beautiful, too. And you all have amazing hearts. And thank you so much. Thank you for what you've been through and then how you turn it around to help civilians and other people when you come back. So many of you do. And you have excelled in what you've done. I mean, you're an Army veteran, but you were on the front line. You did a lot of things. You ended up writing this book to help so many people. Widen the Window is not just about agency, but it's talking about all the different determining factors of your, you know, how you look at stress and how you look at um, trauma and how you can get on top of that. So let's go further into that. Let's talk about um, how it is that you really see integrating trauma and coming out the other side of it. What is it that is the number one factor of, of excelling on the other side of trauma? I would say that any experience we have um, that is stressful, that takes us outside of our comfort zone, has within it the seed of being able to have more capacity on the other side. Um, resilience is all about our mind and body experiencing something that takes us out of our comfort zone and then fully recovering. You need both of those things. Um, and without the full recovery, that's when we start having all the symptoms we've been talking about. But when we do have the full recovery, we are more resilient. We do widen our window. And then we have more capacity to function better during even more stress in the future, to build deeper connections even when we are stressed, to you know, go with the flow when life throws us curveballs. And let's face it, life is always throwing us curveballs. Well, you had, you had an um, antidote in your book about your dentist. Let's talk about that for a minute because explain what happened there. And, and yes. how you use that. So um, I have, I needed gum graft surgery and I had gum graft surgery earlier and it had been very traumatic. Um, during the previous surgery, I had an adverse reaction to the drug he had given me. And while he, he had to cut open the roof of my mouth to take out some tissue there to graft and he hadn't sewed this, the roof of my mouth shut yet. And this drug made me vomit. So we are in the, I'm in the surgery and I vomit and the roof of my mouth got infected for a month. It was awful. So when I found out that I had to get another gum graft, of course, this was a traumatic experience. I did not want to do it. I went to a different periodontist and this guy, he is amazing. Dr. Peter Farson, if you are in the DC area, he is the guy to have gum grafts with. He's great. He was so attuned to me. And so while I'm in the process, he's cut open the inside of my cheek, the whole cheek. He's peeled it back to like put the donor tissue up and then he was going to put it in. And in that moment, I had been totally fine. I had been paying attention to my butt in the chair. I was feeling very grounded. But as he was doing that, I had this mental image and thought that he had cut open half my mouth and he was like stretching it. And having that thought, that thought made my survival brain freak out. And so I got all of this stress arousal and I could feel myself like, you know, that hyperventilating feeling before you're going to like the, my, my vision cloudy, like I was closing in, like I was going to faint. 
And I'm having that reaction and I'm about to say to him, we need to take a break, we need to take a break. But before I could say anything, all of a sudden, he taps me on the shoulder, he pushes gauze in my mouth and he pushes back and he's like, I think it's time for a break. I was like, how did he do that? And I used that example to really see that's the positive side of the way that we're constantly resonating. You know, the negative side of the way that we're constantly resonating is in stress contagion and emotion contagion. You know, we pick up stress arousal and emotions from people around us. But when we're really resonated and paying attention, we can provide that kind of resonance and see and feel empathetically what other people need. That's wonderful. And we have so much more to cover here. I invite everybody to check out the outtake that we're, we're going to do after this show because there's more. There's <laughs> so much more. This is no little book. This is a big book and there's quite a bit in it that we all should take away from. And Elizabeth has spent a tremendous amount of time both in research and in writing. And this is, you know, honestly, your book could be a bit of a textbook in in courses and you, here you are teaching I'm, sh I'm sure you use it for that right <laughs> yes the reason I have so much science in there is when I was suffering my thinking brain needed to understand it wanted to understand why things were happening the way they were for me and it helped me when I understood it I took it a lot less personally and I felt a lot less self self-judgment and a lot less shame and so I wanted to share that understanding with readers so that they won't beat themselves up either if they are suffering and so that they won't feel ashamed of symptoms they're having or of the stop-start nature of recovery. Well, thank you so much for coming. I ask everybody that comes on this show, what makes your life brighter? What makes my life brighter is the loving relationships I have in it and the fact that I am doing meaningful things in the world. I really love what I do. And that brings me joy. There you have it, everybody. Widen the Window by Elizabeth A. Stanley, PhD. Go to makinglifebrighter.com on the radio page, and you're going to see the special outtake that we're going to do next. We're going to continue this conversation, and we'll be back next week. We have so much more for you in this new year. Oh, my gosh. Go jolly, everybody. I hope that you go out and make somebody else's life brighter. Elizabeth A. Stanley, and the book is Widen the Window. Go get it, and we'll talk to you again next week. We'll see you on the outtake. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go Jolly! This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.